0: Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Welcome to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. I'm Mary Simon, and I'm joined today by Liz Lenevy, Amy Gunn, and Erica Slater. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, Thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening. This is a podcast hosted by the female trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm in St. Louis, Missouri. We talk about what it means to be a trial attorney, but we also talk about topics that apply to any professional across the board. And today we decided to talk about the art of delegation. We're gonna talk about what it means to delegate and how to delegate effectively. So generally, we all know what delegation is. It's assigning a task to someone else to complete right? But in professional settings, it often means that the person delegating is ultimately responsible for the work that is delegated. And personally, I think that that's where things can get tricky, no matter what professional setting that you're in. And I, as a 30-year trial attorney, have been on both sides of that. I know how to delegate, and I delegate as a regular part of my job, but I also work with and for more tenured attorneys at this office, and I'm oftentimes delegated tasks to complete in a case, and I think that being on both sides has given me a unique perspective and has taught me how to be a better delegator, and I'm curious to hear how some of the ladies in our office have learned to effectively delegate, and Amy... I want to ask your opinion. Do you think that delegating is difficult?
1: Yes. Why? Oh, I thought I was just going to have to say yes, and everybody understood. Please (laughs) expand. She's delegating. That's right. right. Amy, it's your job to answer the question. You have to know your audience. The the answer is yes. It is very hard, but it can be the best best thing you do for an efficient effective practice whether it's law or accounting or working in an office whatever it is you have to know your audience you have to know who is available and what their skill levels are I have learned over the years that trying to do everything yourself will be a failure you will never have enough time to do it, you will lose your sanity trying to do everything, and you're doing a disservice to yourself and your skill level, because oftentimes in offices, particularly one like ours, there are attorney tasks, there are administrative tasks, there are staff or assistant tasks, and you have to know who gets what. So let's talk about how you do that. Know your employees. I have a wonderful attorney on my team, winking across the table at Liz. <laughs> I have a wonderful assistant slash secretary and a wonderful paralegal on my traditional individual cases team. And luckily, there are traditional roles for those three jobs but between and among those three folks the jobs and the tasks can be shuffled if necessary i have learned over the years particularly with my assistant to learn what her comfort level is her skills are vast because she's done it for a really long time We've learned and we've worked together for 15 years. We've learned what she can and cannot do. And I don't mean she can't do it, but what she will <laughs> what she will do and is used to doing. I never want to take for granted that people are working with me and I want them to feel fulfilled by it. I want them to feel like they know what they're doing and not just searching around in the dark. And that requires, oftentimes, some really robust, short-term communication. Bring them in, particularly if they're new to your team. Bring them in and learn about that person. Learn what they've done in the past. Don't just read a resume and start throwing out things for them to do. Learn what they like to do. Learn what their personality is. Some people love calling clients on the phone. Other people... Are really anxious about that. If two people are capable of calling clients and informing them and communicating with clients, one likes it a lot and one doesn't, you're doing a disservice to your team if you don't know who that is. I try to keep a really open communication. Like I said, I've been lucky enough to work with wonderful people and some of whom quite a long time. And I try to always be respectful with my tasks. I will almost never send out a task that says, do this, period. I try really hard to say please and thank you and make the person feel like they're very important to the group and very much appreciated. I think you just have to keep that in mind because what I've learned is if you've got team members that enjoy working for you, they're going to work harder for you and in turn work harder for your clients. And I just can't imagine a situation where I had a team member that just did not feel appreciated. And if that's the case, I've failed in my job.
0: And Amy, one of the things that you touched on that I think applies across the board, no matter what your profession is, is communication. And that word stuck out to me because so much communication goes into effective delegation sometimes at bigger companies or big law firms associates younger attorneys or even staff members get emails one-line emails from a more senior attorney or someone higher up at the office that just is kind of barking out a task with not a whole lot of context and in my opinion oftentimes single sentence tasks without context Do not allow the person who's completing the task to do it in a way that gives them any idea of why they're doing it or what they're doing it for. And Erica, I'm curious to hear how you handle that communication piece when you are divvying out an assignment or a task to anyone on your team, what you talk to them about in terms of the why behind the assignment that you're giving them.
2: That's actually the most important part of delegating for me. And quite frankly, it's a strategic management style that I've come to develop after plenty of other styles not working well, I'm sure. So when I'm working, whether it be a law clerk, my paralegal, an assistant, I always try to explain why we're doing something. So that person can be guided in answering some of their own questions when you know issues come up in the task so (laughs) I have a recent example that I just thought about last night because last night I cooked my wife's birthday dinner and and so these skills mesh into the personal and professional of course so my mom and stepdad come over they're gonna help with dinner and you know watch our toddler while we're making dinner and whatever. So I pick out four recipes and I start looking into the recipes, you know, a couple hours before dinner. And my whole family loves to cook. We love to do it together. So they like launched in and they're like, well, give us a task. Like, let's get going. So I kind of assigned everybody portions of these recipes. And it was so funny that I was just thinking about this last night because I'm running this kitchen, right? We got four four recipes that need to come out of the oven, and unfortunately my wife did participate in her birthday dinner, but she's cutting up a vegetable for a salad, right? And she comes over to me and she says, what size do you want these? And whether it was frustrating to her or not, I didn't answer with just the answer. I told her, where they get incorporated into the recipe so she could make the decision herself, what would you find desirable in that situation? So I showed her a picture of the recipe and instead of just telling her, <laughs> I know, I'm so frustrating. And so the same thing happened with my mom. She was like, you know, what size do you want these cut up? And I was like, so here's the purpose in the recipe. recipes. <laughs> you, you make your decision. And I was laughing, they were laughing at me. I was laughing because I realized that that style, not to just answer the question, I don't know, quarter inch, (laughs) quarter inch dice. (laughs) Instead of just answering the question, I always come back with, this is the purpose. And I think that comes from working with a lot of law clerks over the years. I always want our law clerks to understand why we're doing what we do. So the question is not, do I use this case, but the, You know, If the question is, do I use this case reference, the answer is going to be, well, here is what we're trying. This is the argument we're trying to make or the goal we're trying to achieve. And so now I want you to take that information and make the decision for yourself, or is there a better decision? When you are delegating, that becomes so important to empower your team, which is kind of what Amy was talking about before, as far as your team being fulfilled by their work and working hard for you If they feel like they're part of the team and not just running tasks down for you and really empowering them to make decisions, I think you get better work. I think delegating becomes more effective and it's a good way to teach the people that you're delegating to so in the future they will take more initiative and approach problems that come up in the tasks that they're delegated to do on a more regular basis. I completely agree.
0: And one of the items on this, you know, 10-prong how to delegate list that I have going is give authority as well as delegate. And I can even think of an instance recently, one of the law clerks asked if she could take a stab at writing the first draft of one of our demands. And I, of course, think about her asking me and then what my thoughts of what the demand should be and how am i supposed to convey to her exactly what it's supposed to be in my head and you know do i just do it myself cuz i already know what i want to do but no that's not appropriate and also it's great to have a clerkship where you are offered the experience to try right and, you know, I saw myself in her because I could see myself asking the exact same question when I was a clerk at this same office and the attorneys that I worked for gave me that opportunity. So I said, absolutely. Thanks for volunteering to do it. And just know that there aren't rigid rules that you need to follow when you write it. And I said that to her because I, I knew that she'd probably look at, you know, other drafts or what have you for examples. But I was also giving her the authority To make her own decision about how she thinks it needs to be written or what verbiage to use or the right words to use. I only knew to do that based on my own experience and how good it felt when one of the attorneys I worked for when I clerked gave me the authority to use my own brain and my own thoughts and come up with a work product to give to one of the attorneys.
2: If you're thinking about the levels of how we work on things, it's the difference between like just base knowledge, like tell me you know what I insert here tell me how to do this and analysis and if you can empower people to use their own analysis and make their own decisions and they have to come to you and say I did it this way because that's the best way to get the best work over time
0: if you have delegated a task to say a law clerk and the law clerk has worked on that assignment and has come to you with a question or a break in the assignment and needs additional guidance At what point are you done giving the advice and you're gonna take it back and do the assignment yourself? Or how far do you go in teaching them what you expect from them in that assignment?
3: Each situation is different. Every assignment is going to call for a different reaction. And my initial response, or the first answer that came to my head when you asked that is, is there a deadline? Because this job feels like it is 90% deadlines And for anyone who may not be familiar with the setup of law firms, our clerks are often law students. So these are people that are still learning about how to become a lawyer. And it is our job to train them on that task. But oftentimes when I give an assignment to a law clerk, it's an assignment that Amy has given to me to then funnel onto them. So again, if there's a deadline, I need to be able to review it once over, make any changes that need to be made, and then give Amy an opportunity so that she can review it before we file it because If our names are on it, I want to make sure that both of us have had an opportunity to lay eyes on it and approve everything within whatever document it is that we're sending out. So if there's a tight deadline and I can see that my clerk is struggling, I will step in and take it over because I don't want us to be rushing at the end and put forth something that is subpar. As much as I love giving my clerks the opportunity to complete something from start to finish. I recognize that the ultimate responsibility is to the client and to make sure that we have good work product. So if there's a deadline, that's important. And that is also very important to communicate to the clerk. I explain to them, hey, on the calendar, this is going to be the deadline. That is not your deadline. You need to turn this into me one week, two weeks ahead of time so I have enough time to review it. So again, communications, and setting the specific terms of the assignment is very important. If it's something that it's not such a hard deadline, we've got a little bit more time, it's something I want them to complete, I try really hard not to interfere until they ask me to. I'll check in. If it's been a, you know two weeks, a month, and I haven't gotten something back, I'll pop in and say, hey, how's that, how's that going? It hasn't fell off your radar. It's still on your to-do list, right? But I I like giving clerks the opportunity to work through assignments themselves because I was a law clerk myself, and that is where I got the most benefit was, like Erica said, doing that analysis and working through a problem. And we hire very intelligent students who are able to provide that to us, and where they can't, that's where we have our opportunity to step in and do that teaching component that is very important to the culture of our firm. I... I am happy to answer any questions that a clerk may pose to me, and I think it's really important to make sure that they feel comfortable. Whoever you have working for you feels comfortable coming up and asking those questions and making sure that they're going to be able to get a response from you that is going to be not only helpful, but they're not going to feel dumb walking away from it. And I try to make it very clear to my law clerks When their clerkship begins, there are no dumb questions. You can come and ask me anything, anytime. I'm not going to judge you for it. I I would rather you come to me with a question that you may think is silly than turn your wheels, not being able to figure something out, and turn in something subpar. And I want to make sure that everyone that works with me knows that they can come to me with anything, and I'm happy to help them. Just like if I go to one of my colleagues with a question, I know they're going to be happy to help me.
2: Can I put an asterisk on that? No. Yes. <laughs> now, I don't okay. want to say there are dumb questions, but for all of our aspiring attorneys, young professionals, law clerks listening, it's also really important to make sure you can detail all of the steps you've taken to answer your question.
3: That, that's a good asterisk, and I, I should add... What I tell my law clerks is spend some time researching it. And I tell them, hey, Google is your best friend. If you don't understand a word, Google it. Maybe something will come up. When you come to me with your question, also come to me with the potential solutions you came up with on your own or how you try to research a solution That way I know that you've at least attempted it. Now don't spend six hours trying to, you know, dig every single rabbit hole, trying to find an answer. Come to me after a while, know when to cut it off, but at least make the effort. Don't come to me with everything. So there are no dumb (laughs) questions, but-
0: Try. Try. (laughs) Try not to ask dumb questions. (laughs) A large part of the delegation at our office that we haven't talked about is handle this case just an email that says, take a look at this, please handle. Thank you. And, And with that comes handling an entire case from start to finish. And my question is for either attorneys who are in a similar situation to that, or attorneys who also might be working at other firms where they are given assignments and with the expectation that they will just handle it from beginning to end. When is it, important in the process of delegating to go ask whoever you're working for how you're doing or for feedback or for a performance evaluation because that's a big part of delegating is what would you all say to an attorney who's a couple years out or 10 years out or 15 years out and they're just working with another attorney and still taking on cases as the assignment from an attorney? of when to open up the door of communication to ask how you're doing?
1: I think you have to humble yourself on a daily basis. It's hard in this profession to show any kind of weakness, whether it's in your own office or in front of opposing counsel or your client. But keep your eye on the ball. And what I mean by that is You want the best work product in the most efficient way. And if that means going in to say, you know what, I'm into this. I'm not sure I know exactly what to do next. Can you help me? Then do it. You can't be afraid to ask for help. And if you're lucky enough to work somewhere where the response to that is going to be help versus an eye roll or I've already told you or go ask somebody else I'm too busy... Then you should take advantage of it. I agree wholeheartedly, and this is what I tell law clerks or younger attorneys I'm gonna do my best to be communicative and to give you the best, most clear instructions that I can. Here's what I need. If it doesn't make sense or if you hit a real bump, please come back to me. But please come back to me after having tried to answer it yourself. I recognize that being patient and giving up my time now is going to benefit me later because I'm teaching you something versus just showing you how to do it. I want you to learn. So as the delegator, you have to know that giving your time now, even though it's a short-term pain, especially when we're all very busy, but I think you have to really, kind of going back to what I said earlier, you have to know your audience and the person who is being delegated to cannot be shy to ask for help. I say this not only in my law practice, but in my life. I have never been afraid to ask for help. I don't think that's a sign of weakness. I think that's a sign of understanding your limitations and trying to be the most successful you can be given your circumstances, whether it's help with my children, help with my car, help with, you know, fixing something at my house, just don't be afraid to ask. And I hope that I have engendered in my little group, the belief that people aren't afraid to ask, and they will come to me.
0: Erica, how do you handle a situation where you have delegated a task, and the person receiving the task gives you pushback about whether or not it's, their responsibility. I'm glad you asked Erica
2: that, not me. I scream and yell and I throw things. No. Um, Man, I can't say that I get that a lot. That may be an indication you have made a wrong decision about who you've delegated something to. And then I think you have to pivot and make the decision whether you teach that person a new skill, teach that person to handle something or how you want it handled so you can continue to delegate that task to them in the future or you find like Amy was talking earlier you find the limits of that person's comfort zone and you've learned that about that person that works with you and sometimes that can be to their detriment depending on their job description and that's kind of them's the (laughs) brakes so it's important to look in and see where Your own responsibility lies for that situation, but you may have to reevaluate if you're delegating to someone who isn't up to the task.
0: I'm in the same boat as you, Erica, where I also don't have a ton of experience with getting pushback after delegating something. I have been... In a group at times, I, f- I find that that happens more often where it's kind of a group effort and a ton of tasks are delegated to a group and something kind of gets lost in the mix of whose job was who. How do you handle that when there's a mix up and multiple people are just looking at each other kind of like, oh, that wasn't on me. Was it on you? Was it on you? How do you do you take ownership of it as as the person who was supposed to? You should.
1: How do you handle that, Amy? You absolutely should take ownership of that. If I'm not clear, my short-term reaction would be, oh, God, you know, it didn't get done, or I have to spend more time on this. That's my knee-jerk reaction. My introspection would be, how was I not a very good delegator? How have I created this situation? And if the answer is, I did, then I'm going to own it and I'm going to fix it, and I'm going to tell everybody, relax, it's okay, we'll get it done, don't worry, if I didn't cause it, and there really was a failure on the other side, then, and this is really, really, really hard for me, it's really hard for me, and I struggle with this, I have to say, you know, this was not done right, this was done incorrectly, I'm sure I could have done a better job of explaining it, outlining it, whatever, but this is not good product. I'd love to sit with you now and talk about why that is or why there's been a miscommunication. And I need to do that. I need to continue to do that as the delegate tour. But it's hard. I mean, I, we all do this. We just give more work to the person who can do it. <laughs> right. And that's not fair, and I understand it. And I try really hard to be the one that has given it all the shots I can give. This happens sometimes with staff or law clerks or whoever, and I've tried, but at at some point in time, you have to recognize it's just not a good fit, and we all need to just recognize that and and just move on. Liz, what do you think is the hardest part of delegating? The
3: hardest part of delegating for me personally is just the act of it, because every assignment I have, I... I sort of feel like the dragon in the cave story, just sort of hoarding everything to myself. That's very much how I feel about my work product. I have a tough time. Does that story not make sense? What's that dragon's name? (laughs) Elizabeth Lenovey. (laughs) (laughs) But that has been the most difficult part for me personally. And it's something I have gotten better at as I've gotten older. And I think part of that is just feeling more comfortable with my own work product and knowing I can, I don't want to say fix necessarily, but I can amend something that someone else gives me quicker. I'm just like someone gets faster at putting a project together. I am faster at fixing it later. I also whenever I delegate something, I send as many possible examples of other similar tasks to the person, and I feel more comfortable doing that when I can send my own work product. So the other part that I really struggle with, and maybe we can talk about this some, is once you have delegated a task, giving feedback when the task given back to you was not well done. I try so hard to approach anyone who works for me with as much understanding and as much patience as I can. But there are times when we're in a rush, something wasn't done well, or if I can just tell someone didn't put an effort in, that's that's probably my biggest trigger is when I can tell this was just not well done where it's clearly a copy and paste job and you've left the last defendant, whoever you copy and pasted it from, you left their defendant's name, in this motion, or you have the wrong birthday all over the place, you know, for if if it's something that requires that information or something that's very simple, that if you had just spent that extra five minutes reviewing this before you sent it to me, they would have been caught. And that's my second biggest struggle. (laughs) Besides giving the task out is when I have trusted someone with that task and getting it back and being disappointed in it. And it's not just the disappointment, but knowing that person could have done better if they had put forth the effort. And and I kind of want to open that up to the rest of you about how you deal with that when something is just bad.
0: Liz, I agree with you. I think that that's the hardest part is dealing with the aftermath of a work product that you've delegated out that just didn't work. And I'll tell you that being, again, not too far removed from being on the clerk end of it, just as a third year attorney, one thing that really kicked me into gear, uh, I remember I was clerking for Amy, and Amy, you had me draft a letter. And again, I say draft with air quotes, because there really should be no drafts that you're passing up to an attorney you work for. And I don't even remember what the letter was for. And I just remember I emailed it to you, and you emailed me back and said, so this is good to go with a question mark. And I just was like, oh, she trusts me. I mean, if she asked me that question, it just tells me that she trusts that I can say yes, and she will send this letter out. And that, to me, just gave me an extra reminder, motivation to just make sure that every single thing that I am doing, whether it's for me, especially if it's for someone else, that it is ready to go when when I'm giving that a assignment or whatever it is to another attorney. And in return, when I became an attorney, I expected the same from law clerks oftentimes the clerks who work with me that quite frankly turn in the best work product are the ones who often they most often ask me how they're doing which is just funny because that's the ones who care the most about their work product that are just succeeding and I often tell them look you keep getting work from me that's a great sign as soon as you stop getting assignments from me or any other attorney at any point in your career that's when you should start looking at your own work, to be like, why am I not getting more work to do? Liz, I I feel the same way that you do when I get an assignment back. I, I just kind of ask myself, how much is it worth it in the long run for me and this other person to sit down and explain to them what the pitfalls were and how they can fix them? I will say something that I have, a strategy
3: that I have developed when I get something back that is particularly in rough shape. I will sit down with the person and I will ask them, hey, is everything all right? <laughs> Genuinely. Because I don't. I, I try to keep in mind, I don't know what's going on in that person's life. They may have a sick family member. They may have something else really big going on and maybe they rush through this because they're distracted. Maybe they hate their job. Maybe they hate working for me and I need <laughs> to know that. And so I will sit down with them and I say... And I'll, I'll preface it with you usually turn in really great work. This seems very out of character for you. And I want to know if you're okay. If something's going on, you don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but it's, it's unusual for you to turn in something like this. And I'll show you why I've got it. It's covered in red ink. I'll show <laughs> you where I think you went wrong with this, but I also want to know if there's something going on and if, if, if I can help in any way. And I think that's a way to sort of ease into that conversation. And I've gotten pretty decent responses from that because I have had clerks where something else is going on and they've said, you know, school's really bad right now and, you know, I'm really struggling with this class or sometimes it's a it's a personal issue. And I think opening up that line of communication and trying to not shame the person or embarrass the person they will take your criticism and try honestly
1: genuinely try to do better
3: going forward
1: I think the hardest part is being patient to delegate whether it's to a staff member or a law clerk or an associate attorney you have to be patient and give that person an opportunity to shine and I want to trust myself that I've given clear instructions and have communicated very well. I want to trust that person I'm giving the task to, that they understand the gravity of the work that we do and that they have embraced that and carry that with them when they're doing their research and their writing or completing the task, calling the client, whatever it is. I'm going to trust you that you take this seriously, that you appreciate the magnitude of what we do, and that you have pride enough in yourself and your work product to really do a thorough job. I'm going to do that until you give me a reason not to. And then when I sense that it's not your best, then I'm going to sit down and, and hopefully work through it with you, like Liz, like you say, and give you a break But I'm going to remember it and we're going to kind of walk through it and make sure that whatever issue was going on has been resolved and that you're able to kind of put things in a box and, you know, do your job. An employee who's not kind of living up to the work is not only hurting me because it is costing me a lot of time and effort in redoing it or just stressing out about it or worried about it, but it's also hurting You know, the clients, or potentially could, usually you step in the way before it hurts the clients, but that's what got to be your goal. As much as you don't want to hurt someone's feelings, if it's just not a good fit, that they probably recognize that too. And I always have to trust myself that I've done everything I can to make that person successful. Erica, what
0: do you think is, you know, one of the harder aspects of delegating?
2: Well, I'm going to give our listeners a window into my personality, which is not going to surprise anyone in this room. I have been called bossy since a very young age. (laughs) So delegating is like one of my favorite things to do because I love it when I can tell someone what to do and it means I don't have to do it, which means I spend a lot of time making sure that person maybe does a good job so then I don't make more work for myself. However, Amy, what you said about, you know, sometimes it's not the right fit, that has been a big big learning curve for me because of who I am. I've tried to change my working style quite a bit over the last decade of working in this profession to fit who I was working with. And unfortunately, that has been a recipe for disaster for me mostly. There's about two years since I've been at our firm that I think another attorney and I maybe went through five paralegals in that time, which was really frustrating for those people and us, of course. And the good thing is that our firm has been really helpful in some communication work and like Myers-Briggs work, things that we did within the last couple years. And it's really helped me look inward and realize that for better or worse, I am, I'm not a micromanager, but I am a taskmaster. And that kind of plays into that whole idea of I'm responsible for what happens on my team. I'm the one signing the pleadings. Everything is filed under my bar number. And that just, you know, that's what keeps me up at night. And it's taken me a long time to find someone that works well with that style of a manager. And I'm happy to say that I have found that. And the paralegal that I work with, she very much appreciates that style or she's just lying to me. Um, (laughs) But it seems to work really well. And what I've learned from that is if you, and obviously this doesn't apply to everyone, but if you identify with that taskmaster style, I have learned that it is good to empower your team. That's still important. But it also means that I spend a little bit more time doing like file reviews and reprioritizing, constantly reprioritizing all those tasks. And a lot of my delegation comes with directions about priority, because I may have just dumped like 10 things on my paralegal that we would be working on with a sense of urgency but for the next day when I drop five more things that are more important than those 10. So understanding my own management style and who I might work best with has been the best way for me to figure out how to make delegation work better. And it's been very difficult to get to that point and taken many, many years. All right, ladies, art of delegation takeaways.
0: Liz.
3: I would like to delegate this question to another person until i'm ready to
1: answer (laughs) all right
0: i'll take the task of reassigning that out amy
1: (laughs) oh my goodness i seem to say this a lot but you have to know your audience you have to know the skill level of the people on your team and what they can and cannot do and whether that's something that you've taught yourself that you learn through communication spend the time to find those fundamental
2: things out And it's going to pay off. Erica, my takeaway is that delegation is a skill that you have to work on. You are just as responsible in the equation of delegation as the person you're delegating to. So turn that mirror around and figure out your style and make sure you find people who work well with you or at least educate them on how to work best with you. All
0: right, Liz, you've had time. Now it's your turn.
3: I have had time, and I went back through my notes, and I think my takeaway is something Amy said when we started the th- this episode, and that is you will lose your mind if you try to do everything on your own, and that is a lesson I really wish I would have known better when I was a first-year associate because, God, did I try to do everything on my own, and I really did lose my mind.
1: She wasn't working for me that year, just just so we're clear. (laughs) That's important.
3: Yes, to clarify, I was somewhere else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My takeaway is that it pays off in the long run to spend more time in the beginning with the person who you're working with to talk about what an assignment is, what it entails, and the reason why behind it. The more time you spend early on, it's just going to save you so much more time in the future and, and also just make your team more efficient and more productive. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. Don't forget, we've got new episodes dropping every Wednesday. And if you want to become part of our conversation or you have comments to leave, please feel free to send them to heelsinthecourtroom.law.
2: Bye.
0: Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. Connect with Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, or Elizabeth at
1: heelsinthecourtroom.law.